Well, Tuesday, November 3rd is election day in America. And you probably didn't know that. You needed me to tell you that. So I just told you that. And it looks like with the early vote that the 2020 presidential election is gonna break all turnout records. And I think it's really important for Christians to pray and to vote. I think it's really important for Christ followers to be involved in politics, to be involved in government. And I think it's really important for faith to play a major role in our decisions, for faith to play a major role in policy decisions. And I think this presidential election is so very important. And so I hope that you're voting on Tuesday or you've already voted. But I wanna talk today about an even more important vote. It's an election that God has divinely laid upon every person on the planet. Every person on the planet gets to cast this most important ballot, the most important vote you will ever take in your entire life. It's the vote to decide who will be commander in chief of your life. And if you elect Christ to be the commander in chief of your life, it will make all the difference in your life, in your relationships, and in your eternity, regardless of who gets elected Tuesday. And so I want you to look at our key passage. It's a passage that we often read at Christmas time, but it's a powerful prophecy. And we're gonna look at how do you really elect Jesus Christ to be the commander in chief of your life. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church, you guys look great today. And everyone at our satellite campuses, you look great, even though I can't see you. I know you look great. And uh, we wanna welcome everyone at Woodlands Church at Tascacita, Woodlands Church North Point, everyone here at the Woodlands campus, all you guys worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry all around the world. We are one church built on the word of God. And follow along with me. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you are the Wonderful Counselor, that you are the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Lord, we need peace today. We need your peace in our hearts and lives. And Lord, we just ask you over the next few moments that you would just speak to everyone within the sound of my voice, your loving words of truth. And that you, Lord Jesus, would just touch people, Lord, at their deepest need, that you would just heal us at our most broken places and that you would work miracles in our lives because you're the only one that can really change a life. Lord, no human being can change a life but you've changed thousands at Woodland Church. Continue to change us, Lord. Continue, Lord Jesus, to work miracles. Lord, it's amazing. I've just never seen you work in such a powerful way as you're doing right now. In the middle of all that's going on, you're still in control, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. It amazes me here that Isaiah, when he says this prophecy, is speaking 600 years before Jesus was born. 600 years before the first Christmas. And Isaiah had seen 
failed monarchy after failed monarchy try to rule in Israel. Every one of them had crumbled and fallen apart. And so now God gives them a vision to look forward, to look past all the failed leaders and to have this vision where he looks 600 years into the future and he sees a time when Christ will come. When God will come to this earth wrapped in human flesh. And then he sees a time when God will return to this earth to rule and reign and to set up his kingdom, his government upon this earth and his son will be commander in chief. And so he sees all this 600 years before the first Christmas. And it's pretty amazing to think about, so I wanna break it apart here. Focus in on that phrase, for to us a child is born. This points to Jesus' humanity, that the king will come to us as a child, as a human being, wrapped in frail human flesh. Now this is an astounding statement, if you stop and think about it. We've just become used to it. For those of you who are Christ followers, we just kind of become used to it. Or if every Christmas you read this passage, for to us a child is born, or you've ever heard Handel's Messiah, where these lyrics are used, for unto us a child is born. We, We just become familiar with it, but how amazing, how astounding is it that God, who created it all, came to us. He came right down in the middle of our mess to work a miracle. He came to us, and he came as one of us, as a human being. Wrapped in frail human flesh as a tiny baby who grew up and experienced everything that we go through so that we could relate to him, and he could communicate with us. Somebody said if God would have wanted to communicate with the fish, he would have become a fish. If he would have wanted to communicate with the dogs, he would have become a dog. If he wanted to communicate with Cats, he would become a cat, but he wanted to communicate with human beings, so he became a human being so that he could communicate to us how much he loves us and how much we matter to him, and so we could see what God is like. But then focus on that next phrase. To us, a son is given. So this points out the divinity of Jesus. Not only was he all man, but he was all God, he was God's son, for to us a son is given. And then focus on that phrase, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now the first two statements are talking about the first time Christ came, the first Christmas. Isaiah is looking ahead 600 years, and God gives him a vision of the first Christmas. And that's what the first two statements are all about, but this third statement, and the government will be on his shoulders, is talking about a time even further into the future. Isaiah is seeing a time further than the first Christmas. He's seeing a time past the year 2020, and he's seeing a time when Christ will return to this earth to rule and to reign. And the government, his global government, he will be upon his shoulders, his eternal government, will be upon his shoulders and he will rule and reign in the universe and there will be peace on earth because the Prince of Peace will be ruling and reigning. And so Isaiah sees the Prince of Peace one day setting up his eternal government that will be on his shoulders upon this earth. But the Bible teaches until that time in the future, 
that the kingdom of God, his kingdom is an invisible kingdom. It's an internal kingdom from within. It's a kingdom in our hearts. When Jesus came the first time, he always talked about the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. He even said the kingdom of God is here. And his disciples misunderstood him at first. They thought he was talking about a political movement that would overthrow the Roman government. And they thought that was a good thing, so they were excited about that. They misunderstood, but Jesus said, no. I came the first time to set up a kingdom even more important than that. I came to set up a kingdom in your heart, to rule and to reign in your heart, to be the prince of peace in your heart so you can experience my peace. That's why Jesus came. And that's why in Colossians 3.15 it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Because whenever Christ rules, there is peace. If Christ is ruling and reigning in my heart today, then I have peace in the middle of really confusing times. I have peace in the middle of anxious times. I have peace in the middle of uncertain times. If Christ is ruling and reigning in my heart, regardless of what's going on in my circumstances, if Christ is ruling and reigning in your marriage, there's peace in the marriage, not appeasement where you try to avoid conflict at all costs and you don't wanna rock the boat and nobody's telling the truth, but real peace, that means you have real conflict and you work through it to a deeper connection, real peace and understanding. When Christ rules in a family, there is peace, but there will never be peace on this earth until the Prince of Peace rules and reigns on this earth and the government rests upon his shoulders. Here's the point. Right now, the greatest leader of all time wants to lead you. Right now, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace can lead your life and he's asking for your vote. That's the miracle of it all. He wants to lead your life, to lovingly lead you. He's asking for your vote. And he gives you this powerful thing called free will where you get to have a ballot and choose whether or not you want to be the commander-in-chief of your life. And there are four campaign promises that he makes in this one passage. Really four titles that Christ has given that he wants to bring into your life to make all the difference. First, he promises direction in every decision. If I let Christ rule and reign in my heart, he promises that he will guide me. He'll give me clarity in confusing times. He'll give me the ability to make wise decisions. That's probably one of the greatest things you could ever possess is the ability to make wise decisions. And that comes from the wisdom of God. It says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. That's the first title given in this prophecy his first campaign promise, he says, if you elect me as commander-in-chief in your life, I will be your wonderful counselor. I will give you wise counsel. I will give you the ability to make wise decisions. The word success in the Hebrew, I've told you many times, literally means the ability to make wise decisions because that's what true success is. We think of success as being financial but it's so much more than that. True success is the ability to make wise decisions in your relationships, in your finances, 
in your career, the ability to make wise decisions in confusing times. God wants to give you that. He's a wonderful counselor. He'll give you direction for all the difficult decisions you face right now. But if I don't allow Christ to rule and reign in my heart at this moment, then I'm gonna take some wrong steps. I'm gonna make some wrong decisions. Or I'm gonna be paralyzed by indecision. Sometimes a no decision is worse than a wrong decision. And some of you are just paralyzed by indecision right now, not knowing which way to go, and you're so confused right now. Well, God is not the author of confusion, the scripture says. The enemy is. And God wants to give you clarity in the confusion to make wise decisions. His counsel is always the right counsel. He'll never mislead you. He'll never misguide you. He won't say one thing to get elected into your life, and then once you've elected him into your life, do something completely different. He doesn't do that. Because unlike most politicians, unlike all politicians, unlike all human beings, see, the problem is politicians are human beings, like me and like you. Unlike all human beings, he never lies. He always tells the truth. In Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not human that he should lie. I love that because it's basically like, if you're human, you lie. You know, we're all broken and sinners and there are times that we make a promise to someone we're well-meaning and we don't fulfill it. We don't keep it. There are times when we shade the truth or cover up the truth. There are times when, yeah, I'm gonna do that. That's right, you can count on it. Don't come through. But God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? With Christ, it's promises made, promises kept. He always keeps his promises. You know, the, really the reliability and trustworthy of any promise goes back to the reliability and the trustworthiness of the person making the promise. And so when you think about God and his character, the Bible says that he has to be faithful to his promises because that's who he is. That's his character. And it says even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful, that I can depend upon him. When I was growing up in church, we used to sing the old hymn, Standing on the Promises. And I remember as a kid, a lot of times I'd be bored during the services, so I would, when we sang that song, I would take my Bible out, and I thought it was pretty cool that I'd stand on my Bible and tell my mom I'm standing on the promises. You know, and my brother and sister would stand on the promises. You know, we were very concrete at that age. And so, but when you think about it, when you're standing on something, you're standing on it because you believe it's reliable, that it's durable, that it's trustworthy. Every week I come out here and stand on this stage and I don't even think about it, why? Because it's held me up hundreds of times. There was only one time in the history of this church where we worried about this stage because you don't know this, but this stage is hollow. It's concrete all across the stage on top, but the return air vents are under the stage and so there are all these hollow tunnels under the stage. And one Christmas years ago, in a moment of insanity, we decided to have live animals in our Christmas presentation, and we had camels and donkeys and sheep, and we had an elephant. Some of you will remember the nightmare that occurred. 
uh, we had an elephant, and we fortunately called in our architects who brought some engineers because before the elephant was, he was gonna walk up here on stage and go across the stage and then come off the stage and we had it all worked out and Pastor Keith was gonna ride the elephant, you know, and because and, um, he had had so much experience riding elephants and so he, he was gonna be one of the wise men but I'll never forget that right before the Christmas Eve services started, those architects told us if that elephant walks on stage, it will fall through the stage. We have figured it out. You know, we've engineered it because elephants tend to put all their weight on one foot at a time, and there'll be so much pressure, two tons of, you know, pressure in that small space that'll burst through the concrete into the hollow return air, and it's just not gonna, it's just not gonna work. It's gonna be a debacle. And so we decided, we tried to reinforce the stage, but couldn't get that done in time, so then we decided we'd have the elephant walk down here in front, and we took out several of the chairs, and I'll never forget as the elephant began to kneel down and to allow Keith to get off of the elephant, um, he stumbled and he fell into a really nice elderly couple on the front row here, and they jumped over their chair to the next row. I just couldn't believe how spry they were, you know, in their, in their elderly years. We've never had that elephant back again, praise God. Um, and then as the elephant left, he left us a Christmas gift right there in the middle, right there in the middle. And I'm telling you, um, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it was amazing. It stole the show. It was a showstopper. I mean, there was this little trainer guy who would walk behind the elephant with a plastic bag, and I wondered what he was doing, but then I found out when the elephant stopped and when you gotta go, you gotta go, and it was right down here. And, and the guy held his bag out, and, and elephant droppings are big. Let me just say that. You, you might be out deer hunting, see there's some deer droppings, you know, and might, might see, you know, oh, that's coyote droppings there. It's elephant cannonballs, my friend. And that first cannonball came out and just knocked the bag out of the guy's hand and went all over the people, just boom. And it kept coming. It was, uh, it was a Christmas gift to, that took a lot of cleanup. And then the elephant went off, and we thought, wow, I'm glad he got that out of the system. No, every service, every service. It's, can we not feed him for a couple of days? Every service he did that. But anyway, I digress. This stage, it, it, unless it's an elephant on this stage, We've had all kinds of things on this stage, but unless it's an elephant, this stage is gonna hold. Why? Because I've seen it hold over and over and over and over again. Don't even think about it. It's gonna hold over and over and over again because it's reliable, it's durable, and God's promises are reliable, and maybe today you feel like that God's not coming through, and you're wondering, God, when are you gonna come through? God, I don't understand it. It's like you're nowhere around. God has to fulfill his promises, and I'm telling you, God will fulfill all of his promises in your life. You claim them. Sometimes that's all you got is God's promises, but that's all you need is God's promises because God keeps his word. He always fulfills his promises, and sometimes he takes you through a time where you have to claim his promises, 
and then you see him come through and it builds your faith. The next time you have to step out onto the stage of God's promises because you know it's solid. And when you keep claiming God's promises, you keep seeing him come through. It doesn't matter what you see around you in your circumstance. You keep stepping out on the stage of God's promises, not even thinking about it because you know God has come through hundreds of times before in your life and he will come through again. He didn't bring you this far to let you down. He didn't bring you this far to let you drown. He didn't bring you this far to give up on you. He's going to see you through. You are going to make it through with God's promises and you can stand on them over and over and over again. When God says it, you count on it because God cannot lie. That's just one of the things God can't do. And there are over 7,000 promises in God's word. My friend Mark Batterson has written a book called The Circle Maker. He says every time you come across one of those 7,000 promises, circle it in your Bible and then pray it and claim it. Meditate on it and claim it as your own. Circle it, pray it, claim it as your own. And pretty soon your Bible will be filled up with circles, promises for you. Here's one of those promises in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord completely. Don't ever trust yourself. In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. Saying if you put God first in every area of your life, make him commander-in-chief in every area of your life, then he's going to direct you. You can't go wrong. You can't take a wrong turn and he's gonna give you true success. The wisdom to make good decisions. The wisdom to make the right decisions, take the right path. And sometimes it'll look like you're on the wrong path. It'll look like you're on a painful path. But God takes us through the pain to his purpose. He always sees us through because he knows what's best for us. So claim this promise and put God first in every area of your life and let him direct you and crown your efforts with success. But then there's a second campaign promise. Christ promises to give you strength in every storm. For you see, his next title is Mighty God, and he will be called Mighty God. That word mighty literally means all-powerful God. He's all-powerful. He is all-powerful. God can do anything but lie. He'll keep his word. He not only wants to guide us in the right direction, he wants to give us the power to go the right direction. You see, government can only do so much to change a society. That's because a government can't give the people the will and the power to obey. But God, on the other hand, he not only tells you what to do, he gives you the power to do it. He gives you the strength to do what he calls you to do, for he is the mighty God. In Jeremiah 32, 17, it says, Dear God, my master, you created earth and sky by your great power. By merely stretching out your arm, there is nothing you can't do. Saying, God, you can do the impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. So what is that impossible situation that you're facing today? What is that situation that you just can't fix, that you can't do, that you can't solve, but you've really tried? I mean, you've tried to change that other person that needs to change. You've really tried to change that circumstance, but it just gets worse. You've really tried to fix that situation, and it just seems like the problem keeps growing bigger and bigger, and it just overwhelms you, fills you with anxiety. What is that problem you've tried to 
change, but you just can't change it? What is that area of your life you tried to change in, but you just can't change in it? You, you got a hang up uh, that you really can't break through. What is that area that you can't change? God can. God can. But here's the interesting thing. He usually brings us to the place of I can't first. Are you at that place of I can't? If you're at that place of I can't, I, I can't fix this one. I can't change the situation. I can't get through this barrier. It's just too big. I can't solve this problem. God will allow you over and over in your life to get to the place of I can't because at the place of I can't, it's the only place where you can see that God can you gotta get to the place of I can't because as long as you're trying to solve it, you're trying to overcome your struggles yourself, you're trying to solve your problems with your own intellect and your own wisdom, and you're trusting in yourself, as long as you're in that place, you can't see that God can. And so you gotta come to the place of I can't so that you can see that God can. And some of you are at the place of I can't right now, and it's a good place to be as long as you look up and you see that God can. And God can move you from I can't to God can. Instead of focusing on all the things you can't do, focus on what God can do. There's nothing that he cannot solve. There's no problem that he cannot get rid of. There's no situation that he can't see you through. Nothing is impossible with God. So what is that situation you're facing in that place of I can't? Just turn it over to him because God can. That's another promise that I want you to claim. This promise in Jeremiah 32, 17. And that's why in Philippians 4, 13, the next promise I want you to circle and think about and circle in your Bible is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Does it say that I can do most things? No. I can do a few things. I can do some important things. No, all things. Whatever God asks you to do, he'll give you the power to do. Whatever God calls you to do, he will give you the power to do. When God calls you to do something that seems impossible, when God calls you to do something that's difficult, like being truthful with someone and you know it's gonna create conflict, but you know that you've got to do that so that you have a chance to really have a deeper relationship and it's worth it, and you've gotta do that, you've gotta tell the truth in love, and you know they're not gonna receive it, but you gotta do it. What God calls you to do, he'll give you the power to do. But you gotta step out in faith first. Feels a little awkward, and you step out in faith, and then he gives you the power to do it. And you leave the results to him. When God calls you to step out in faith, to go for that dream that he's called you to go for in your life, he'll give you the power to do it. And he'll provide one step at a time because where God guides, God provides, but he always guides first and then he provides. I wish it was the other way around, don't you? God provide and then I'll take a step of faith. He goes, wait a minute, Carrie, that's not faith. But you take a step of faith and I will provide for you. I'll open the doors. You start walking through the door and I'll open the door. You start stepping in faith and stretching and I will give you everything you need. Where God guides, God provides. Whatever God calls you to do, he will give you the power to do it because he is mighty God. He is all powerful. But there's a third campaign promise that he makes that's really important. Confidence in every crisis. 
every president will face a crisis or two that they're not expecting. And no one can predict what the crisis will be, but you can predict that there will be a crisis or two. There always is in every presidency. But look what this next title is, and he will be called Everlasting Father. He says, I will be the eternal, consistent, and caring father that will give you confidence in every crisis that comes your way. Every unexpected crisis that hits your life, and there will be a crisis. I wish I could tell you that if you're a Christ follower that one of his campaign promises is that your life will be perfect. You'll never have any problems. You'll never have a crisis. You'll never have a tragedy. You'll never have a difficulty. But I can't promise that. In fact, I can promise you just the opposite. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. He says, take heart, because I will give you confidence that you will make it through every crisis. I will get you through the greatest crisis of your life. I wanna share with you three promises from the Lord God that you need when you're going through a crisis, because some of you are going through a crisis today. Some of you are going through the greatest crisis of your life. Maybe it's a relational crisis. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's an emotional crisis. Maybe it's a physical health crisis. But some of you are going through the greatest crisis of your life, and every one of us will go through crisis times. Every one of us will face unexpected crises that come into our lives. And you need to claim these promises. First, promise number one, God promises you God says to you, I love you. You can count on it. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Saying there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God, even if you aren't a believer and you run from God your whole life, he will pursue you to the last page of the story of your life. He will pursue you until your last breath, giving you every opportunity to vote for him to be the commander-in-chief of your life. But he gives you the right to reject him. He gives you the right to choose yourself or choose someone else to be the commander-in-chief of your life, but you'll choose something or someone because you were made to have a commander-in-chief in your life, and so you're gonna choose someone or something. Now, if I were God, I'd be the only one on the ballot. Human beings, I created you. I deserve to be loved. I love you, so vote for me. It's like, wait a minute. There's only one person on the ballot, and there's no place for a write-in. But see, that's not love. God knew that he had to give you other options on the ballot, that you could choose anything you want other than him. You can choose to reject him, to not believe he exists, to curse his name. I mean, you, he had to do that because love is not love unless you have the power to reject. Love's not love if that love is forced. If you're made to love, that's not love. And so he had to give us the ballot of free will. He had to give us that choice as to whether or not we cast our ballot for him or not. That's love. The greatest risk of all time 
was God creating human beings and giving us the power to reject him and try to be God ourselves. But that's love. That's what love is. And if you're a Christ follower, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Your present problems, your future problems, what's coming in the days ahead, nothing will separate you from the love of Almighty God. You can count on it. But there's a second promise. If you're going through a crisis, you gotta claim it. He says, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. In Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He's the everlasting father. He's the eternal father. And so he's not gonna make promises and then abandon you. Some of you were abandoned by your father, your earthly father. I want you to know you got a heavenly father who will never leave you. He will never leave you. He'll never look past you to something more important. He will never make a promise like all earthly dads do to say, hey, I want to do this, and then they don't come through. He will never leave you. He'll always be there for you. Whatever you go through, he will be there for you. You will never have to walk through anything alone. And that's great because we will walk through crisis. We will walk through difficulties. We will walk through floods, but you will not drown. God will see you through, and he will go through it with you. Whatever you're going through today, he goes through it with you. He goes before you. He goes behind you. He goes with you. You know, he's not just someone who says, here's my policy, but then it doesn't relate to me. Here's my platform, but I can do something different. No, he's with you in everything you go through, all the pain, all the hurt, all the heartache. He's with you in it all. And he weeps when you weep. He rejoices when you rejoice. And he will never leave you and never forsake you. But promise number three, he says, I will fight for you. In the greatest crisis of your life, I will fight for you. You know, every politician says they're a fighter, I'm gonna fight for you, usually they kind of fight for themselves, but God says, I fight for you. I will fight for you. It says in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Some of you needed that. There's somebody out there, I don't know who you are, but you needed that because you're fighting. You're struggling right now. And you're fighting and struggling to overcome something or to break through a problem in your life and God says, just be still, I got this one. If you'll turn it over to me, I will fight for you. I will fight for you in the greatest crisis of your life and you can rest in my plan and my power. Let me fight for you. I've gotta stop fighting. Some of you are fighting battles that God never meant for you to fight. He wants to fight for you. He'll go before you and he'll fight for you and he'll see you through. But then I want you to see the fourth title, the fourth campaign promise that he makes from this passage. Not only direction in every decision and strength in every storm and confidence in every crisis, but he promises you peace in every problem. And this is a great promise. It says, and he will be called Prince of Peace. Did you know over the last 4,000 years of recorded history, there have only been 286 years out of that 4,000 years where there have been no wars, where the world has really been at peace? Because we live in a world plagued by conflict and chaos. But Jesus said, you don't have to worry about that. Don't be afraid. Because I am the prince of peace. And when Christ was on this earth and he said, I'm getting ready to go back to heaven, I'm going to leave you a gift a lot better than that elephant left, let me tell you that. He said, I'm gonna leave you a gift, 
a gift that you need desperately. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Saying, are you stressed out? Are you uncertain about the future? Are you worried about next week, next year? Are you anxious? Do you feel like everything's kind of shaky and uncertain? What you need is peace. If you don't have God's peace, you'll fall to pieces when trouble comes. But you need God's peace, and it doesn't depend on your circumstance. It's a gift that only God can give, and you find peace in the most unusual places. You find peace many times in places of conflict. You find peace in your heart many times when circumstances are really stressful, but God gives you a peace that the world can't explain that surpasses all understanding, and it's a gift. And he says, I wanna leave you with peace of heart and mind. One of the greatest gifts you could ever receive. And he says, I promise you that if you will elect me to be the commander-in-chief of your life, one of the amazing benefits of Christ being the commander-in-chief of my life is I'll have peace. But if he's not the commander-in-chief, if I push him aside, as we as Christ followers can do, and we try to command our own lives, make our own decisions, and do what we feel is best, when we don't allow him to be the prince of peace, then we lose our peace. We start falling to pieces. We worry about everything. Worry is just a warning light that goes off in my life that shows me I'm trying to control something that only God can control, that I'm trying to put myself in the place of God and be the commander-in-chief of my life. But when I relinquish that to God, I get a gift, and it's peace of mind and heart, peace in the middle of chaos, peace in the middle of conflict, peace in the middle of coronavirus, peace that's unexplainable. But look at Matthew chapter 16, because the government Christ is going to set up one day is gonna come through the one organization that is eternal. It says in Matthew 16, 18, this is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door, no more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. He's saying that the church is the only organization that is eternal. Every political party will one day cease to exist. Every political movement will one day cease to exist. Every government will one day cease to exist. Every nation will one day cease to exist. There's only one organization that will last forever, and that is the church, the body of Christ, the family of God. And that's what God is up to. He's building a forever family. That's what he's up to because he loves you and he wants you to love him back. And he's building a forever family for all eternity. And we're his body as a church. And that's why I believe more than ever, I've always known it from God's word, but I'm convinced more than ever that the church is the hope of the world. That the church, being the church, the body of Christ, we being his hands, his feet, his voice, to go to the hurting and the helpless and the poor and the powerless to bring healing and strength. To go to those with anxious hearts and worried hearts and hurried hearts and say, there is peace that can't be explained and it comes from the Prince of Peace. We have the answer. 
that the world needs so desperately. I am convinced and I agree with what Jesus said that the church, his body, being Jesus is the hope of the world. Letting Jesus be Jesus in us, the body of Christ. See, the government can do some good things and some important things and we need good government. But there are some things that government can't do. Government can't do the most important thing that we need. Government can't change one heart. That's why government can't solve our greatest problems because our greatest problems are heart problems. There's no president, no man, no woman, no earthly leader can change a human heart. But Christ can. Christ can forgive a human heart. Christ can heal a human heart. Christ can fill a human heart with his peace. He can change us one heart at a time. And the only way to experience a heart change is let the Prince of Peace rule and reign in your heart. Let him be king of your heart. In Philippians 2.10, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's saying, right now, I wanna rule and reign in your heart. I'm asking for your vote. Right now, I wanna rule and reign in your heart and fill you with my peace and give you my power and my strength and give you my wisdom to make good decisions. I wanna guide you, I wanna strengthen you. I wanna see you through because I love you and you matter to me and I will never leave you. But he also says, when I return one day, if you haven't bowed to me and let me be the king of your heart, one day, when I return, everyone will bow. Everyone will have to admit it. Everyone will have to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Don't wait. Don't wait until that time. Don't wait until that time. Today, freely choose Cast your ballot for Jesus Christ in your heart. Freely choose him in your life so you can experience his peace and his power and meaning and fulfillment. Because one day, every president will bow and say, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, the glory of God the Father. One day, every prime minister will bow and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. One day, every person will bow. One day, every queen and every king will bow to the true king of kings and the Lord of lords to the glory of God the Father because he is who he claimed to be, the God of the universe, the king of kings, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the lion and the lamb, the great I am, Jesus Christ, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I want us to bow right now, our heads before him. And let me ask you, have you ever in your life cast your ballot to allow Jesus Christ to be the commander in chief of your life? He offers you free forgiveness. He offers you heaven one day as a free gift and peace of mind and heart as a free gift. And all you have to do is just cast your vote for him to be the commander in chief of your life. If you've never done that, pray this prayer right now, silently to God, say, dear Jesus Christ, I need you to save me. I can't save myself, 
I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm broken like everyone else, and I need you to heal me, to forgive me, to cleanse me, and I ask you to come into my life and be the commander-in-chief of my life, to be my Lord and to guide me from now on. As best I know how, I give you my life and I accept your free gift of salvation and heaven one day that I could never earn or deserve. And if you're a Christ follower and you're feeling anxious right now and you're going through struggles and you're going through a crisis, just remember that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords. It may look like everything's out of control, but God is in control. The God of the universe loves you and he wants to fill you with peace. And he gives you his promises that he will see you through. Claim those. Step out in faith in those because he will give you his power and his strength and he will see you through. Dear Lord, I pray for all those Christ followers within the sound of my voice who are going through a crisis that you would just let them know that you'll carry them. Even when they can't take that next step, that you'll hold them up. Even when they fall, Lord, you'll catch them and just let them know how much you love them. Just right now, speak to their heart and let them know. Just whisper, Lord, in their heart how much you love them and that you will see them through. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed to receive Christ, it's the greatest decision you could ever make and he'll never leave you. And I really encourage you, if you're at one of our campuses, tell a pastor, let them know. They give you some information on how you can grow in your faith. If you're online, just click that hand there that says, I'm raising my hand to receive Christ. And our pastors are online and they'll love to talk to you about that. But now we're at the part of our service where we give. And we give as an act of worship. We give because we love God. And how do you give if you're at one of our campuses right now? The way you do it is you take out your smartphone. So if everyone would just take out their smartphone right now. And by the way, all the sermon notes are on our Woodlands Church app. All of the bulletin and all the activities are on that app and past messages and Bible studies and blogs and all this are on there. And you can download that. But the way you give, you don't have to download the app to give. The way you do is just on your smartphone, text GIVEWC to 77977. It has to be GIVEWC as one word. Put it together to 77977. And then it takes you to our push pay app, and that's how you give. Um, since we don't pass the offering basket, that's how you give. Or if you're at home, you can give online, wc.org slash give. And we, we encourage you to set up that recurrent giving. Or you can mail in your check, or you can give stocks or assets and just call our administrators here at the church. We can't give the same amount, but we can all give. And when we put God first in that important area of our lives and we honor God in that, he blesses the rest and crowns our efforts with success. And so I really challenge you, if you've never done that, put God first in your finances. Say, Carrie, right now I can't afford to. I always say you can't afford not to because you want God to be first in every area of your life. And God says, I bless you to be a blessing. I bless you and strengthen you to make a difference. And there are so many hurting people today that we're ministering to. So we're stretching more than ever as a church and we're stepping out in faith and we're doing it for God's glory because we believe where God guides, God provides one step at a time. God guides first and you do what he calls you to do out of love and then God provides. And that's the way God works in our hearts and lives and it builds our faith. So I just challenge you to give, give because you love Jesus and then pray that God will multiply those gifts. 
but let's stand together right now, Woodland Church, and let's sing, and I want you to claim God's promises. Think about those promises that we went over today. Start circling those promises in your word because God keeps his promises, and he's gonna keep his promises to you, every single one of them. You claim them, you stand on them, they're reliable, you can count on them. Let's sing it to the Lord. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.